Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Reset Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Mignot, CEO of the Cultural Communications Agency, Deep Flash. Each episode, I bring on different folks who are doing really interesting and game-changing things. And I am so excited to have Leo Lamont, who is an incredible copywriter, content strategist, just all-around troublemaker. It's going to be a great conversation. Uh, take a listen. Hi, Leo. Hi, Laura. How are you? Oh, you know, just hanging out here on GNT. Yeah, yeah, me too. Happy to be free. Have, so happy to be free. I mean, yeah. really. Yes. It's, uh, I don't mean that facetiously. I'm serious. I, oh, seriously. I, I mean, actually, like, am happy to be free. I mean, last year this time we were all trapped inside. So, absolutely. This is true. Yes. Not even, we're not even wrong about this. Facts. Um, so, um, how the podcast always starts and I am slightly terrified about what the answer is going to be, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, Leo, what was your first job? <laughs> oh, this is embarrassing. Um, <clears throat> my first job was working at, I think it was a Friendlies. Yeah, I think it was a Friendlies. I was a hostess. <laughs> oh god i was not very good at it <laughs> i feel like you don't have time for people so i don't know how this would have worked but okay yeah uh i left it after like a few months and then i ended up working at old navy instead i feel like so many people don't go old navy i think i was the only person who didn't get that yeah, no did you learn the folding technique no i mean oh. like, i ended up working at um let's see I worked at Brooks Brothers instead mm, okay got it, got it yeah I'm fancy and such damn wow but I heard yeah. the folding technique old maybe is like isn't it like a little folding thing you use or did it, it, you have to no, it was I, a technique back in my day <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, we, <laughs> we had to do it by hand <laughs> oh yeah and so you, and, and what's the folding technique you do it by hand? I honestly do not remember, but I just wanted to see if you remembered it. That's why I asked you, you know? Yeah, I didn't have to fold anything because like, everything oh. was already pre-packaged in Brooks Brothers. That is, that is not, that was not at my old Navy. No, Especially exactly. during Black Friday. Oh when my. people would Ooh, come in Lord. and unfold them and then management would tell us to go out on the floor and refold them. It was hell. Oh my God. Yeah. That's not okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. See, yeah. you learn early on like people are evil and <laughs> just ridiculous when <laughs> stuff like that happens. Like, <laughs> ew. <laughs> God. Okay. So we go from Master Folder at Old Navy to now. I'd love for you to share a little bit of your career journey because it's yeah. amazing. So where to begin? Um, as a child, I was always pretty creative. So always doing art, design, coding. Um, for all of the millennials out there who remember Neopets, that's how I learned how to code. Um, and from Neopets and LiveJournal and MySpace kind of leveraged those skills into like a small little graphic design business. Um, as a kid, like drew covers for yearbooks in school. Um, I also, what else did I do? Um, 
put together, like drew sets for plays, um, even built websites for friends and family. So then by the time college came around, I told my mother that I wanted to go to school for illustration and she's Jamaican. And she said that she did not come to America for me to become a starving artist. And I was like, wow, that is, that is valid. And I want to, (laughs) I wanted to respect her. And so um, I decided to do the very Jamaican thing, which was enroll at Drexel University and double major in business and engineering, because she said my four options were business, engineering, law, or medicine. So I decided to do two out of the four to make her, you know, extra happy. Because Um, you're Jamaican. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. at Drexel, um, I'm, I tend to be a very good student. Um, so I was at the top of my class. And then one day I go to the program director and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to do art. And she was like, but you have such a bright future in business. And I was like, I don't care. Um, so I ended up switching majors um, to a, I think it was called digital media at that time, um, but was still pretty unhappy. I realized that I wanted to be at an art school. So I switched to the University of the Arts, also in Philadelphia, um, but was also unhappy, not realizing that I just really disliked Philadelphia. I'm sorry. To <laughs> from Philly, um, please don't kill me. Um, okay. <laughs> right. I don't live there, so it's okay with me. Oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. Um, I do love the cheesesteaks, though. We're not going to get into the cheesesteak debate, though, because I think they're all delicious. Don't kill me. Um, oh. So eventually landed back in New York City, where I was born and raised at the School of Visual Arts um, in the photography program. But then my mom got sick and I also had some health issues. So I had to take some time off from school. When it was time for me to go back, I couldn't really afford to pay for SB on my own. So I decided to just build out my business, building websites for people. Um, I kind of traveled all around New York City tutoring students um, on how to code. Um, helping them with their homework, teaching older people how to use computers. And that was pretty great. Uh, Eventually landed, yeah, um, eventually landed a job at Apple. I worked at the Fifth Avenue Apple store right here in New York City, which is the only, well, I don't know if still, but at the time was the only 24-hour Apple store in the world. Um, So I worked there and then eventually landed at a, a tech startup where I eventually left that startup because I was doing customer service there and then eventually moved to another startup where I finally had a role as a designer. And then since then I've had an official title of designer since I guess like outside of like running my own business since 2015 or so. Um, And then most recently I graduated, well, Last year I graduated and got my bachelor's. So I did go back to school and I went to SUNY Empire. And then this past year, I just finished up a master's degree at the School of Visual Arts um, in design research, writing and criticism. And this summer I'm making another career pivot from product design to copywriting. Because of course. Well, duh, because I'm Jamaican. I know we have eleven thousand jobs. None of, yeah. none of this, this is a, st- a typical career. I don't see yeah. any. Yeah. 
these are the way you zig and you zag. Um, yeah. You did leave out the whole, like, you um, spoke at the White House thing. Um, just saying. Oh, I mean, uh... <laughs> just left that with little tiny part I... of the freaking story. Yeah. Leo. I mean, like, you know, no big deal, you know, you know, it's like, whatever, you know. <laughs> um, Part of the White it, House it, thing came. Could you talk about it? Could you? It, it, it's, it's, I, I, <laughs> I skipped over it because I was trying to skip over the drama of how I even got to the White House in the first place, which was my first job at a tech company was Squarespace, um, where I had a manager. She was the VP of customer care and her name was Krista. And she told me in a meeting that I was so black, I blended into the chair. And so <laughs> that snowballed into a series of events. Um, if you Google not a black chair by Amélie Lamont, that's my full name, but I'm going by Leo now. Um, but if you Google that article, you can find the entire article and read about it um, with the full context and story. But going public with that article um, is kind of what boosted a lot of the visibility that I currently have as someone on social media. And it also created a pathway for a lot of people, specifically Black women and femmes who felt very scared and, and bullied and felt that tech was toxic. It gave them an opportunity to know that there were other people who look like them speaking up. Um, and it was because of me writing that article, I, I got the invitation to the White House through a group called Brioxy. It was, um, so in 2016, a group of black and brown creatives together in Washington, D.C., kind of like mind melding and like coming up with ideas together. Um, and we got to tour the Obama White House. It was very cool. So, yeah. Thank you. I wanted <laughs> to know. <laughs> I know that it was obviously a very traumatic and horrible thing that you had gone through. With no, I mean, it Murder was, case. but I'm, I'm trying but to so I'm, much. I'm trying to like talk about it less because you know I hate them or whatever mm -hmm. I, I think I'm over the trauma I still want to it's fine I'm, I'm gonna I'll stop here <laughs> but you were able to give voice to a lot of um black women and thems um, um during a time when it was hard for folks to come come forward so mm -hmm. um yeah that's pretty incredible and brave as hell Thank and you. But also, you're Jamaican, so not surprised. Thanks. You know, you're right. Yeah. I should bring my machete with me more often. Places. I mean, what is it? Machete and Ray and Nephew. And that's how you know you have, you, you run into a, a property. That's community. true. That's true. Like, yes. These are the things. These <laughs> are the things. So one of the things that I um, adore about you is that, like, again, you don't toot your horn not nearly enough um, <laughs> because... Um, uh, you graciously invited me to watch your graduate thesis um, and I was blown the heck away because <laughs> it was this incredible Afrofuturism, like, but everyone in the room got it and had their jaws on the floor so I could watch. Um, and it was just so brilliantly portrayed and smart and funny um, and remarkably you and I was like, wow, I because you sort of juxtaposed anime with Black liberation. And I was like, holy crap, this is incredible. Talk about this. <laughs> um, and so I'd love you to talk about it because again, like I just think that you are just one of the most incredible, fascinating people I've ever had a chance to get to know. And 
you're so complex. <laughs> <laughs> complex is a really good word. <laughs> <Somewhere, somewhere. laughs> yes, that is. I'm going to start putting that in my bios. Complex, by love. Complex, yes. <laughs> my vibe. Um. <laughs> yeah, I'd love for you to talk about that. That um, what you put together because I think again, folks will. It's just more folks need to understand and learn. Uh, and the way that you juxtaposed everything was really thought so beautifully done. So, thank you. The floor is yours, my friend. Cool. Yeah. So. For this program at the School of Visual Arts, Design Research, Writing and Criticism, um, when we talk about design, design can technically be anything. Um, and so as I worked to figure out what my thesis topic would be, I ended up trying to think about things that I love and things that I enjoy. Um, and I am someone who definitely loves anime, um, always have, always will. And I realized that there are quite a few Black people who love anime. Um, and I think for my generation in particular, um, a bunch of us grew up on, at least in the United States, grew up on a TV programming block called Toonami that was on cable television's Cartoon Network. Um, and Toonami kind of blended elements of anime and hip hop um, and music. It just felt, to me, it felt very Black. Um, and a lot of the experiences I had as a child watching Toonami really kind of opened my mind to this other world of imagination and possibility. And so in one of my classes, we had this essay from a researcher, a Black woman named Beth Coleman. And the essay that she wrote is titled Race as Technology, where she essentially says that it's not so much that race is inherently bad, but if we look at race as a technology, who wields the technology is who determines the impact of the technology. So in this case, depending on who's wielding race, it can have a positive, negative, or whatever the spectrum in between is in, sort of, in terms of impact. Um, and so I thought that was a really fascinating concept that I hadn't heard of. And I wondered what else could be considered technology? And then I realized that maybe the imagination could be technology, something that I could work with and play with. Because oftentimes in not, anime exists in this really strange space where it's a cultural export that comes from Japan. But when you look at representation of Black people in anime, it tends to be quite racist um, because <laughs> well, <laughs> anime, yeah, is, <laughs> anime is pulling from interpretations of Black people that they are seeing from the United States. Um, that's how anime came to be. Is it, it was almost like a, a challenge to um, the Walt Disney Corporation and Mickey Mouse and all of that. So Japan, creators in Japan were trying to create their own thing to combat that um, or to go against that. And so because they're pulling a lot of elements from the United States, of course, they're pulling in the racial elements of Black people. So Black people in anime, even today, tend to have big lips, um, big eyes, very dark skin, talk very slowly. It's like a, it's like a whole thing. But mm. despite all of that, Black Americans still really love anime. And I just thought that was so fascinating. So you um, can watch that and still be like, yeah, I can still rock with this. Yeah, which is, is just interesting. And it's funny because I, I interviewed quite a few Black people about a few different famous anime. The, the most famous one that I interviewed people about was one called Dragon Ball Z. And there's literally a character called Mr. Popo 
Oh my. Um, Mr. Popo, and he's very, very black, like blacker than charcoal, big round eyes. So like all you can see when he's like standing in a dark room are his eyes and giant red lips. That's Mr. Popo. And it's funny because like as a child seeing Mr. Popo, I didn't think that that was a a representation of black people. I was like, that's not me. That's Mr. Popo. That's not. And then I got older and I was like, oh, that's supposed to be people who look like me. Well, I, I don't claim it. I sure don't, because that's not me, um, which is kind of the vibe that I, I got from a lot of Black people who love the show, um, particularly a lot of Black men love Dragon Ball Z. Um, and so one of the things that I also encountered is that there is a character named Piccolo on the show who's a green alien. And many, many of the people who I interviewed think that Piccolo is Black. And I thought that was so fascinating because I was like, he's green. He's this alien character. Why, why do you think he's black? And a lot of the people said that, well, the backstory, um, the planet that he comes from is called Planet Namek and it was destroyed. And then the people had to migrate to Earth and go, were scattered across the universe. So it felt very similar to the, the story that Black Americans who are descended from enslaved Afri- Africans have, um, which is really fascinating to kind of make that parallel um and so kind of weaving in all of that together how does a black person or a black child look at something like anime and see a green alien and code that alien as black when the character was not meant to be black coded in its originating country that has to be the black imagination so I just took that and I I ran with it started to dig into other ways in which the black imagination is expansive because without that level of imagination, there's no way for us to think beyond the box to be bigger than what society perceives us as. Um, without the imagination, we would be shackled to what whiteness and white supremacy expects us to be. But with the black imagination, which is something they cannot take away from us, we can be whatever we want to be, no matter the circumstance. So I thought that was really beautiful and just built my entire thesis around it. Wow. You know, it, it, it's, it's just, it's funny that it's like we're having this conversation on Juneteenth. It almost seems like, oh, it's all mixed. It all comes together. <laughs> oh my God, of all the days I have this conversation, it's just like, yep, this is a day to have it. And, but like, that's, that's so fascinating. So as you started to build your, um, your thesis around it, did, where did you think you would go? Because you made this incredible custom avatar who sort of was mm. just telling the story and, uh, and the presentations of it all were just were so beautifully thought out. Yeah. Um, wait, sorry. I, I was listening to your silky smooth voice and then I got distracted because I was thinking about how nice your voice is. Say your question again. I'm sorry, that was really creepy. I, I, I'm i sorry, say, say your question again. <laughs> <laughs> I said, how did you, how did, I, how did all the pieces kind of come together? Because yes. you made the great avatar who was you telling, mm-hmm. giving the presentation as well as the, the, the sort of uh, deck that you built out to sort of explain this to the common people. Because what I thought was really interesting was the fact that like, you didn't have to black, be black to understand what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and that oftentimes is the thing that sort of gets black people to pay attention. So how, yes. did, you, how did you sort of juxtapose the two? Yeah, well, I kind of realized that like, 
even though I was talking about the Black imagination in particular, and that was a very specific focus, I realized that almost anybody could connect with it in the way that I explained it, if only because we all have access to imagination. Although I do, the reason I made the differentiation between imagination and Black imagination is because of the trials and tribulations that people who are descended from enslaved Africans and people who are Black within the context of the United States, um, they're pretty, the trials and tribulations faced are quite daunting. Um, and I think you need imagination in order to access hope, in order to access strength, in order to access the well of deepness within you that allows you to persevere through that. Um, and so even though it was deeply tied to race, I think that all human beings have access to that in different capacities. I think many people can understand what it means to use your imagination to pull yourself into a different place to access hope. And I think one of the things that I realize is that as I was researching, I came across this quote. I'm, I don't recall where it's from, but the quote basically said that imagination um, and stories are what give us hope from the realities, the, the harsh realities that we might be facing in the moment. And I think that's what resonated with people. Even if you're not Black, if you're someone who has watched cartoons or animation or anime, and you've watched something that was really well animated or illustrated, you can see how hard it hits home for you. Like it, it makes you feel things that even watching a play or a movie or live actors can do for you. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, and I think that there is something like it, without, with imagine in that imagination, you're right, it does give you hope because mm -hmm. you can dream about where you wanna be and it's yours. Yes. And you get to hold on to it. Exactly. Like, I'll give you an example. Like one of the researchers that I pulled into my thesis, her name is Itasha Womack, and she wrote this book called Afrofuturism. And in the book, she talks about how she's teaching a film class, or, or I think it's a film writing class. And she has a Black woman student who is struggling to write an Afrofuturist story because she was like, how do I write this Afrofuturist story with without pulling in the horrors of the transatlantic slave trade. And Atasha thought that was so fascinating because she basically was like, that young woman's mind was shackled by the past. And what needs to, what, when that happens, when you, when you look at the horrors of the past and it, it grabs hold of you in that way, it means that you don't have space or capacity to imagine something better because like that's the worst thing. So why should anything be better? And so I kind of tried to hold space for that as well. Like, yes, this did happen and it's real and it existed um, and it does still have impact today. And also, are there ways that we can imagine a future where those memories are no longer shackling our mind, our bodies, our spirits, um, but we're still learning from the lesson it's just not holding us back yeah well that's the thing it's, it is sort of imagination sets you free mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it doesn't require you to like be bound by anything except for as far as you want to go as far as you want to take it like you know when I think about like it's funny like I, I'm thinking about all the cartoons I watched as a kid because I was as a Jamaican child I wasn't allowed to watch a lot of cartoons with my mom <laughs> I would sneak and watch them um <laughs> Because uh, you know, study a book. That's all you have to do. <laughs> um, it's 
fascinating. It's like whenever I have Vivek on the podcast, it's like we all had the exact same parents. What? <laughs> it's in the water. <laughs> they teach you the exact same thing. I mean, not me, but I vibe. Yeah. It's like, yeah, because I was a really, I was a really good student. Yeah. Hey. Like I hey. came home and I did my homework. And then she would be like, you finished your homework? And I'd be like, yeah. She's yes. like, all right, cool. You can watch TV. I'm like, oh, <laughs> great. Yeah, no, I could, I could watch TV. I couldn't watch cartoons. Oh, no, she let me watch it. She once bought me a, a VHS tape for South Park, and I told her to return it because it was inappropriate for someone my age. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you you don't even read. I was a very, I was also a goody two-shoes. I was like, that is that is inappropriate. You need to bring this back, mother. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 was, I, was, I was totally a goody two-shoes. Um, <laughs> And you know, came home, did my homework. I mean, I was a mathlete, and yes. uh, you know the you know, you know the the Pizza Hut like reading book reading book thing. Yes, uh, yeah, like I murdered that ah. so much so that the other kids stopped doing it because I like crushed them so badly. Oh I, I would just eat books as a child. Like yes. I think the premise was every kid had to read four books for the month. I literally read fourteen. Please. Yes. <laughs> so I yes. got my, so I basically got like ten of the certificates. <laughs> my kin. Kids were just like, we don't want to play the board anymore. Because like, <laughs> I'm not doing anything else at my home except for reading. <laughs> so what do you want me to do? <laughs> anyway, <so> anywho. <laughs> And it explains a whole lot now. Now I like dream up all kinds of crazy events and stuff to make people feel welcome because I was a shy kid who didn't talk to other kids. See? Same. What happens? Look at us now. Exactly. Shy kids taking over the world. That's the thing. But it's interesting because like this thing about your imagination, I just remember like I I always had this sort of like thought and dream in my head of like what I was going to be and I wasn't exactly mm-hmm. sure where it was but I remembered that I was going to be like in charge and running things and it'd be really cool um and it'd be bright and colorful and when I think about what my my job is now what my career is now what I do now it is me stretching my imagination because I, I built my own dream job mm-hmm um yes. and I get to do all these different things where yes I'm the boss lady um yes. but there it's like it's fun it's colorful it's bright it brings joy and those are all the things that like if I think about like when I talk to the clouds as a kid like I talked to Mr. Cloud and Mrs. Cloud mm. um, um like that's where my imagination went and I, I think but it, yeah it doesn't it you it doesn't shrink you and I think that's you know oftentimes when we think about when folks are like trying to figure out what they want to do like they think you have to fit in these perfect boxes mm-hmm. and when you instead look at what you can be and just free yourself of any sort of limitations look where your mind can go and that can help you focus and put you on that right direction to go go make that happen exactly a hundred percent I agree so yeah that's my that's my soapbox so now so what was the response you know that's like I because remember I was like texting you guys the minute you were done like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) yeah the response response from from from, uh the SVA community um well for the SVA community it hasn't been published through SVA yet because I 
Um, if you recall, there was a slight technical difficulty. <laughs> um, so I actually have to re-record um, and then it'll be put um, online for like the rest of the community to see. But the folks who did come really loved it. They were blown away. Um, and one of the plans I have is um, I asked for more time to finish polishing up the thesis that I wrote. Mm -hmm. And I also want to draw a manga to go with the thesis. So um, I have to finish building out the website and then I'm going to draw the manga and then I'll have like the thesis and then we'll be good to go. I can finally publish it for the world to see. So you drew that, that avatar of you. No, no, no. Um, that I just built in a program because I, I built that avatar in like two days and I was like, I do not have enough time to build this from scratch. Um, so uh, it looked amazing. I, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah, I used an app called Vroid Studio um, and it was very difficult to get everything together because I'm on a Mac. Um, there's this trend in Asia called VTubing, uh, virtual YouTuber where you use a 3D character um, instead of like yourself to be mm -hmm. on YouTube and you use like a camera to tra track your movements so it looks like they're moving. Mm -hmm. um, but the technology isn't that great on a Mac, which is what I have. So I, I, in order to even get that set up, I had to download an app where, first of all, I made the avatar, I uploaded it to a website, I downloaded an app from the app store, downloaded my avatar to the app from that website, plugs my phone into the computer and then had to have my phone camera right below the computer monitor so that it could catch my facial movements as I was talking to <laughs> the screen. Um, so it looked like I was talking to everyone. It was a, it was a whole process, but it was, it was well worth it, so. Because of course, <laughs> I, was like, I was wondering, I'm like, wait, it's a, that's what I thought. I'm like, is this our facial movements? Cause like, this looks like it's happening in real time. Yeah, <laughs> it was me. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause again, it's not like, you know how to do any of this stuff at all. You just happen to figure this stuff out. Oh, this, this is magic. Like, <laughs> Lord. Duh. Yeah. Yes. Duh. Uh, so, you know, looking back at all the really awesome, cool things that you've been able to do in your career, well, you know, talk to me about a time where you're like, okay, this challenge is insane. I have no idea how I'm going to figure it out. And then you did. I mean, I mean, I, I, I hate to harp on my thesis, but it's definitely my thesis because I, it, it came together in the end, but I did not know what I was going to be doing until February. <laughs> and the program started last September. Um, I actually had some tension because I, I had hoped that basically going into the program, I could have a clear understanding of how to become a better researcher. Um, but the program was more hands-on. And so I had to really go out of my way to like consult books and outside sources to like, how do I even pick a thesis topic, things like that. Um, and so I, I ended up making a very long list of all the things that I love because there was a book that I read on like how to be a grad student <laughs> that basically was like, you definitely want to do your research on something that you like. And I was like, oh, that's novel. I did not consider that. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, <laughs> I, I really was going to do something that I didn't fully love. I was just going to, I was like, yeah, it's got to be like super academic because I'm in, I'm in grad school. Yeah. Um, 
And so made a whole list of all the things that I love um, and kind of just had to sit with it, like come up with different thesis topic ideas. But it was very stressful because I was like, I'm going to graduate with no thesis. I'm going to be a loser. This is going to suck. It was it was very, very stressful. But I think where I landed, I'm satisfied with it. And I think it made me realize that even if you think that you're in a bind, if you're willing to kind of push through um, and ask for help, you'll figure it out. You will always you will figure it out. Yeah. Good. I love that. That that's and because and you find your way. Yeah. No, exactly. thinking about what, all the crazy, cool, amazing stuff you've done. What do you think you tell twenty-one-year-old Leo? Oh my God! Wow. Damn. What would I tell twenty-one-year-old self? Mm, I'd probably tell them to stop being a little bitch. Um, <laughs> okay. I, know, I feel like I feel like. I'm not going to speak for all folks who are in their early 20s, but for me, when I was in my early 20s, because I was such a smart kid, I thought I knew everything. Mm. Like, I remember one time I went to the doctor and I literally looked the doctor in the face and I was like, I know how to cure cancer. And he just looked at me like, <laughs> Girl, what's wrong with you? Like, what the, f- what the hell? And I tried to tell my teachers in high school that I knew how to cure cancer and they just wouldn't believe me. And I was so sure of myself because I, I was so smart and perfect and I got straight A's. I was an mm-hmm. asshole. Okay, so talk. your message yeah. to your younger self is stop being a little bitch and listen to yeah. me. Uh-huh. Yeah, stop being a little bitch. Also, you don't know everything. And also it's okay that you don't know everything because I think I think I acted that way because I felt so insecure. Um, for me, and I think even a little bit now, now that I'm in my thirties and older, um, knowledge felt like power to me. It felt like a way to keep myself grounded and secure in the world. Um, and as I'm getting older, I'm realizing knowledge isn't necessarily everything. I'd rather have a meaningful experience with my friends than to be say huddled in books, even though I love books, books are great and I love learning things. Um, but knowledge isn't everything. Compassion is important too. Um, and experiences with people you love and care about is important as well, or are important as well. Awesome. You mean like sitting by the carousel and watching people do a fake pr- uh, proposal? Oh and- yeah, that was great. <laughs> and a fake so dinner fun. with warm sushi and Coca-Cola. Yeah, that was, are we sure it was Coca-Cola? <laughs> I, I don't. I still, I don't, because it, it wasn't wine glasses. I don't, I don't, it was out, they poured it out of a plastic bottle. It was not I wine. I what if it was brown wine? It was it what if it was brown wine? I don't know why you're laughing. I just it, it I, was the, it was the most random day I think I I've <laughs> that was pretty random. <laughs> <laughs> My I think was, it was brown wine. It was not brown wine. It was, it was in a plastic bottle. Wine. It was Coca Cola. It was. It Coca-Cola. was brown fizzy wine that they wanted to trick everyone who was not in on the secret of this new, newly developed brown fizzy wine. So they put it in a Coca Cola bottle. Um, for just a random couple who were there. Um. Uh, and they were the only people who were going to be like, oh, this is interesting. 
like let's just have and, and also and also the warm sushi yeah okay that that it wasn't it it wasn't warm sushi it it was um what's that sushi made with cooked food that's not actually sushi it was that <laughs> yeah um you know oh okay right yeah uh-huh like, yeah perfect sense mm-hmm. oh yeah um yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I don't I don't blame you um for my listeners we're going what's going on um Leo and I um with another good friend of ours um went to uh the Brooklyn Carousel um by the Brooklyn British Park last summer and we were all hanging out because it was like COVID times we had to actually see people outside with masks and such and there was a couple who basically paid a company to like give them a date on the on the um boardwalk and the boardwalk they included what looked like um, glasses of Pepsi Cola. Brown fizzy wine. Continue. Pepsi Cola. Brown um, fizzy wine. And um, and then um, they had some sushi that they had in like little boxes, not even coolers, just little boxes, so it was warm. And they just sat there and took pictures of the food like it was something important. And we were just were watching this going, what in the world is that? I, I think... They knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, companies actually charge people for that kind of stuff. It's quite insane. I was shocked. I too am going to start selling brown fizzy wine as part of my services. I don't know why you're laughing. I'm so serious. This is a I mean, new. This is. You, I, you, I, I mean, should, if you could sell kombucha. You could probably sell brown fizzy wine. I could probably raise money in Silicon Valley for this. I oh no, I can't. Good. I'm black. I forgot. Yeah, I don't know that there's that slight issue. Um, <laughs> Darn, golly. Hey, Willikers. Um, <laughs> well, it's okay. Um, speaking of which, of experiences and not just um, uh, reading all kinds of books, what in the world are you doing for yourself, care, my darling? Yikes. You just, you just had to ask that, didn't you? You just, you just, you know, millions of questions on the planet. Humans have been here for thousands, hundreds of thousands. Has it been hundreds? I don't know. Thousands, I'll stick with thousands, thousands of years. And of all the questions humankind has considered in mm-hmm. our long but fragile existence, you decide to ask me about my self-care. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying this because I'm deflecting because. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> Um, well, I started making dogs. Um, I've been playing, replaying Zelda Breath of the Wild on the Switch for anyone who knows that because part two is coming out in 2022. Uh, what else? I am building out an external brain on my computer to manage my productivity. Uh, Decorating my home. I tried to get a puppy and then I asked my landlord like a fool what his policy is on pets and he said no pets. So I've been quite sad about that because the puppy was going to be my self-care. So now I have to find non-living things to get me through. That's my answer. Oh, okay. Um, 
I'm just going back to the first thing you said, which was that you're making dogs. Yeah, I'm making <laughs> Do you want me to send you a picture? Do, are you like bioengineering them? Because I feel like <laughs> I wouldn't put that past you at all. I'll send you a picture. It's, it's, I, I mean, I'm not bioengineering them yet, but I, I am making a, a tiny dog wearing a bunny costume. <laughs> Um, because why not <laughs> yeah your imagination wants to do that so why not I, I just I just texted it to you I'm not gonna I'm not I'm not, I'm not gonna judge <laughs> what the what <laughs> How are you making... okay so you're actually making a tiny stuffed animal yes <laughs> A dog and a bunny, a Shiba Inu specifically, in a bunny costume. This looks like almost, it looks almost like the um, Dodgecoin dog. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How are you making these? With felt. I mean, th- I mean, this, I think you could sell at, you know, Kid Robot and make a ton of money. <laughs> what? I'm serious. Charge $80 million for one. <laughs> yeah, just do like, no, make, turn this into an NFT. Oh, that's so cute! That's such a good idea. I'm, I'm just NFT doggy. This doggy is very cute. NFT doggy. It's and very small. Yes, it's tiny. It's tiny. You are a woman of many talents. So. <laughs> uh, okay. Last question for you. Yes. Do you have a give and or an ask of the audience? Ooh, a give. Ooh, yes. Mm, let me think about it. Sorry, I don't know why I said it like that. I mean, I do now because I'm, I'm not right. It's cool. Let's see. My give is, I will wait. Can my give be free or does it have to be like paid? No, it's it can be anything you want. Free, whatever. It could be advice, anything you want. Well, I think my give is nah, that's not my give. Sorry, I'm think I'm thinking of the you put me on the spot. Damn. Okay. To make sure that when you are writing something on social media. Um, let it sit for a while <laughs> before you post it. Okay, that's my give because I've I've seen. I've I've watched, especially as we all have sat inside during the pandemic. A lot of us had been on social media more often, um, and I'm realizing, kind of going back to what I said about my younger self. Um, where I kind of acted as, as if I knew everything. I think the world is massive and expansive. And I think it's really important to think about the language that we're using, especially in an American context and how it can come off to other people. Um, so just being more sensitive of, about sensitive about the issues around you and the people around you. And if you have a desire to put out a hot take, like just let it, let it let it cool down for a little bit and then come back to it. I, I did the same thing myself um, 
I don't know if people remember the whole thing with Basecamp that happened a few months ago. I was getting ready to write a whole diatribe on Twitter. And then I kind of paused and I was like, I could be eating a meal right now. Mm-hmm. This is this is not going to change anything about the situation that has occurred. And my voice is just going to add noise to the existing noise. And it's not going to have any meaningful change. Um, I just want to be heard because I want to be heard. Um, which is not a bad thing, but it did give me pause um, and allowed me to step back and and do something nice for myself that day that allowed me to take care of myself. Because sometimes when you jump into the crossfire like that, um, you're only hurting yourself. You're not really helping the cause of the issue you think you're helping. So think about your words before you put them out into the universe. You know, you're so right about that. I have seen so many people jump into shit, especially recently. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you do as, you don't have to do. You really don't. I I don't know what the compulsion is because I, you know, I'm not judging. I feel the compulsion too, but I've been trying to like pull back and be like, why do I feel compelled to like comment on everything? (laughs) Like, it's like, I I need to be centered. And I just, I just don't, like, we can't all be centered. We can't all be the star of the show. Um, And we don't need to be, like, you don't, you don't need that to feel validation. You have people around you who love you, I hope. Um, you have things that give you fulfillment. If you don't, like, I, I believe, I firmly believe that you can find it. Um, and so I, I just, I think it's okay to, to take things slow. One of the things I said to my friend the other day is that Silicon Valley and the tech industry has that whole paradigm of move slow and break things. Mm-hmm. But you move fast and break things. Oh, sorry. Move fast and break things. Yeah. So the Silicon Valley and the tech industry has this whole paradigm of move fast and break things. But what I don't think they realize is that when you move fast and break things, oftentimes those things are people and you can't put people back together. Um, and so I think it's okay, especially like in 2021, <laughs> moving onwards. I think the... The, the piece of advice I'm carrying for myself and I'm also putting on the table here is move slow and keep it together. <laughs> move slow Honestly, and keep it together. that's such good advice because I think, you know, as what I was saying to you earlier, but like how I went from thinking about being all about relentless hustle to like relentless rest mm-hmm. and like how that is so important right now. Yes. Like, yeah. Like you can't, you can't discount that for a second. Um, you really can't. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, it's, it's just, ugh. people are, you just really forget how, you're right, people just get broken. And mm-hmm. then, and then what? Um, yeah, because I've, I've had it happen to me twice. I've had a nervous breakdown just from burnout twice in my career um, working in tech. And it's very, it's very hard to get back to where you were. I don't think I'm ever quite going to be where I was before those two um, burnouts happened to me. But I know that especially as I get older, it gets very, it gets increasingly difficult to bounce back. Um, mm-hmm but why bounce back at all? Why do that to yourself at all? You literally only have one body and one life. So just move slow and keep it together. <laughs> yeah, really, it really is. Cause like, if you don't take care of yourself and like yourself, 
you'll put yourself in the hospital. Like, yeah. full stop. Full exactly. Stop. Yeah, that's literally what it is. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, when you get as blunt and as brass tacks as it is, like, no, you will put yourself in the hospital. Mm-hmm. That's all there is to it. Yes. So you decide whether or not that's worth it to you. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so I think that's um, awesome, awesome advice and a great way to to end the show. Well, Leo, it is wonderful to have you on the show. I'm going to put all your social on the and oh, wait. The stuff so people can follow should you. I, should I do an ask? Oh, you can do an ask, of course. Oh, um... My ask, hmm, if you know of anyone who is looking for a human-centered copywriter, tell them to reach out to me. Smiley face, winky face, wink, wink, wink. Really? Yeah. Um, I feel like I could... Um... Do you need copywriting? Yeah, but I want to pay you. <laughs> I kid, I kid, I kid. <laughs> uh, oh, I walked right into that one. I couldn't like not. <laughs> true, true, true. I, I was like, oh. I was like, damn, played again. <laughs> <laughs> so got played. I'm like, <laughs> that you might make that way too easy for me. <laughs> um but uh I, I know lots of folks so um we'll chat and that is our show 